Welcome. So, so what exactly did happen to the, <laughs> to the Bible? Can you explain that to us? Oh, that yeah. Bible? Do you, you spill coffee Wait, on your Bible? I don't spill any coffee oh, on okay, my Bible. okay. But usually when I let people borrow my Bible, they spill the coffee on it. So. This is the official armored up coffee cup. <laughs> yes, yeah. Okay, so we should be so, keeping the coffee in the cup, yeah, not we, on the Bible? We should try, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's armor for your coffee, and you don't want it to spill out. So. Ah, okay. I got you now. <laughs> Welcome back to the Armored Up Podcast. We're once again joined by Evangelist Paul Schwenke, and today we're going to talk about good study habits uh, as you study and read your Bible. And so, Brother Schwenke, thanks for being back with us. And Thank Brother you, Jenny, it's always good to be with you. <laughs> Praise <laughs> the Lord. Uh, um, so, uh, Brother Schwenke, uh, why don't you read for us, if you don't mind, Second uh, Timothy 2.15, and then uh, let's, let's get to talking about some good study habits. Praise the Lord. What a powerful verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. Amen. So, Brother Schwenke, tell us a little bit about just uh, what your thoughts are on this whole thing of good study habits for the Bible. Well, I guess it starts in that verse. It's a commandment. It doesn't say it would be nice if you would. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that right after that, we're to shun profane and vain babblings, which are real enemies to a New Testament church. So the answer to false doctrine, the answer to vanity, the answer to the uh, frivolous attitude so many people have is to study to show thyself approved unto God. What a loaded verse that is. Uh, It's a commandment. So it starts when I say, okay, God said, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, and that's it. study the Bible. Mm -hmm. So whether I feel like it or not, whether I understand all the reasons why or not, uh, part of it is I want to please the Lord. And the commandment is study to show thyself approved unto God. So it becomes a fascinating verse. First, we study so we can be approved unto God. You know, I'm sure many people watching and listening would say, come on now, Brother Strasbourg, come on now, Brother Jenny. There's in your towns, there's there's all these different churches. There's these houses of religion. There's Catholics and there's Baptists and there's Methodists and Lutherans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you're going to say one thing, and then we're going to go down the street, and he's going to say something, and we're going to go over there, and he's going to say something else, and and over here she's going to say something. So how do we know who's right? And with with honesty, we have to admit, yes, yes, you'll hear one thing here, one thing there, one thing there, one thing there. How do you know who's right? And that's a very very fair question. And there's an answer to that. God said his approval is upon the one who studies to show himself approved unto God. Mm -hmm. So if you walk into a house of religion on a Sunday morning and somebody stands up and they're careless about the Bible or they're using the Bible as a prop or or they're just saying, well, you know, the Bible's important, but our music is more important. The Bible's important, so we use a verse and then I'm going to tell you what I think and give you my opinion. Uh, God's approval is not on that. His approval is upon someone who studies the Bible and, and, and not just studies it, but the verse says studies like a workman. They labor over the Bible. So it's somebody who says, I'm going to give myself to the study of the Word of God. I'm going to pour my life into knowing the Bible. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You know, we all got enough experience between us here. You know, there's probably about, I don't know, about 55 years of experience between us. So we've all preached things. I can't believe I said that. Uh, we've all said things, you know what? I'm, I, don't, I don't see it like that, you know? We learn, and of course we're learning, of course sure. you are. But the one thing that we can do so we're not ashamed of what we preached or said is to make sure we're approved of, by yeah. the word of God. Amen. So it becomes so critically important, not just for preachers, but for any child of God, if we wanna be right, because you say, well, there's all these different doctrines, that's true, but there's only one that can be right. And I'm not saying it's because I believe it or these preachers believe it, it's gotta be because God said it. 
And the only way to be right and to make sure we're not ashamed to rightly divide the word of truth is to give ourselves to a study of the Bible. And, and so maybe this is just a little different too than just casually reading the Bible. And, and you know, the Bible, first, you can't go wrong with the Bible, you know? It's just, right. There's no bad way to do this. It's, sure. I look at the Bible like going to Cold Stone Creamery, you know? There's no bad way. Yep, a little <laughs> bit of that, a little bit of that, some of that's good, that works too. There's yeah. no bad way to do this. And, and sometimes you just want to sit down in an easy chair like you're reading a novel and just read the Bible. Yes, that's great. Uh, but there also has to be a time where we slow things down and we carefully study the Bible because we have to make sure we're right about the Bible. We're rightly dividing the word of truth, and that's the only way to be approved of God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I just kind of had the thought. Um, it's been said to me before and probably has to you guys but uh you know why why make a fuss out of something that's just a matter of interpretation right what are your thoughts on that <laughs> well no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation so uh yes sometimes it is private interpretation but no matter what you're looking at there's only there can be many interpretations but only one of them is right uh, and that becomes very very important so we don't want my interpretation you're we want god's interpretation Amen. And the, you do that by comparing scripture with scripture. You do that by carefully looking at the texture and you do that by studying to show yourself approved unto God. Now, do you think a lot of people can get off because they come to the Bible with this concept, let's compare scripture with scripture. But then even in doing that, you can really get off if, you don't, if you're not careful about context, obviously. Oh boy, that's yeah. that is so true. You know, context is absolutely everything. It's a Amen. it's amazing how how Bible stories change with context. Mm -hmm. uh, everything's different. We'll be Lord willing preaching uh, Sunday morning on on a story in the Bible, and uh, just uh, the context changes the whole meaning. Just everything's completely different when you get to context, and that's critically yeah. important. And and that's not to say we always get it right. Mm -hmm. You know, you can give your Every time I study the Bible, I'm, I might get it wrong, but the Lord knows, number one, I want to get it right. Yeah. And number two, it's not going to be for lack of effort. So when I'm studying the Bible, I want to get a, I want to get a grasp on every phrase yeah. or even sometimes every word. And, and it's easy to say, well, they're so big, I'll just move on. And I get that, but, but uh, I think it's important, especially for preachers, that, that we just want to get a grasp on every phrase. And that may take a while, and mm. I may get it wrong. But, I think uh, it, it can probably be hard for preachers sometimes, especially pastors, you know, they want the respect, they want the uh, trust from their congregation. So I, I think I can see it being very difficult when a pastor realizes, well, maybe I was wrong to be afraid to let people know mm -hmm. I was wrong. Yeah, because <laughs> well, that's so true. They yep. won't listen to me now. You know? Right. And, you know, that's a great statement because our world thinks that you can demand respect mm -hmm. and demand trust. Mm -hmm. You can't. You respect and trust. They have to be earned. Yeah. And and I think that's yeah. You're you're hundred percent right. That's why I think a pastor, especially, has got a line upon line, verse upon verse, just be preaching the word, <clears throat> preaching the word. Uh, one of my favorite stories. I, I, years ago, I, I preached a meeting. They had a Sunday afternoon service, and so my Sunday night was free. The next morning, I was flying out of an airport in Baltimore. And uh, just driving down the highway, I knew a church was there, so I just stopped and snuck in like at 5.59 for the six o'clock service, and, and I just sat in the back. And, and the pastor had been there a long, long time, had a very good reputation. He stood up, he said, well, folks, he said, open your Bible to Psalm 150. And he said, 25 years, I think it was, maybe 26 years ago, he said, uh, uh, the Lord convicted me, and I, I set out to preach through the Bible. And he said, tonight, Psalm 150 means that we preach through the whole Bible. Well, that took 25 years, and yeah, I get that. That sounds about right. 
And uh, I thought that was great, but then he said this. He said, now some of you are wondering what we're gonna do next week. So he said, I want you to come back and we're gonna start over and catch everything we missed the first time. Amen. So, you know, that's a powerful Amen. statement. And, yeah. and God commands a preacher to preach the whole counsel of God. So, you know, unless somewhere over the course of 25 years or however long it is, you, that means you gotta be preaching, you know, through Zephaniah and you gotta be preaching the whole counsel of God. And there's power in that. And that's why great study habits really matter. Amen. Amen. So before we get into uh, some of the more the study habits and, and specifics, can you think of any verses that are used out of context regularly that uh, that we might be able to laugh yeah. about? <laughs> uh, I don't know if we'll laugh too much. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, I'll give you the in yeah. the Old Testament probably the most misused verse out of context: Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Sure. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then shall I hear from heaven. He'll okay. Now that, that those principles are true no matter when you sure. live, from yep. Adam to you and me today. Mm-hmm. Uh, humble yourselves, pray, seek my face, and repent. Those yep. are great things. Yep. But, uh, you know, that verse is ripped right out of the Bible, placed on top of America, and, and I think that's a big mistake. Big mistake. If you leave it in its context, uh, it, that's going to change everything. Uh, how about the story of Luke 16? It becomes very powerful. You know, we know the story of the rich man and Lazarus, but what set that up is the, the Pharisees in the background that were hammering the Lord Jesus. And, and, and Jesus preaching to the disciples and the Pharisees were catching the overflow of the message which was delivered for them as well. But they got upset and Jesus turned right at them and said, ye are they which justify yourselves before men. For that which is highly esteemed in the sight of God, uh, in the sight of men is abomination in the sight of God. And so that context sets up the story of Luke 16. And, and uh, we kind of usually just jump right in that story, but uh, my, it becomes very powerful mm. because that story is the story of religious people trying to justify themselves. Mm. And the first thing you read about is a man dies and goes to hell, the rich man he's called. And, and what does he do? He says, wait a minute, why am I here? I'm of the right seed. I'm mm-hmm. a son of Father Abraham. So people who justify themselves think they can go to heaven because they're in a Christian family or they're a son of Father Abraham. And it's probably one of the most destructive things, even in a good Baptist church, young people who grow up thinking, well, I'm in a Christian family, I'm in a good church, we've got a good pastor, everything's good. No, no, you personally have to be saved because the man who thought he'd go to heaven because Father Abraham's my father is in hell. It's interesting that he looked to Father Abraham and said, have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. It's what self-justifiers do. And, mm-hmm. oh, excuse me, Abraham doesn't have mercy. Right. You know? And That's then right. uh, I find him telling Abraham and telling everybody how it's going to work out. And, and you guys know you've dealt with men who especially who got the attitude, well, the Lord and I have a deal worked out. Well, no, you don't. Right. No, you're not going to tell God how eternity works out. So that, that kind of sets up the table by people who think they can justify themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it's important to, uh, and, we ha- and, and it happens a lot, but when you let the story set the table and you let the context matter. Yeah. For example, I spent a lot of time over the last few years studying out from the book of Luke and now preaching from Luke. All my messages come from my study. So it's been very powerful because as you read through Luke, you realize, and it becomes critical, who's Jesus talking to? Is he talking to the multitudes? Is he talking to his disciples or to what I call the religious establishment, which would be the Pharisees and then later it would be uh, the Annas crime family in Jerusalem, that's what I call them, the Sanhedrin, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's the religious crowd. And that becomes very important because the stories that he tells, you have to know who he's speaking to. So we usually take the story of the prodigal son and you know, if you're backslidden, come home to the father. Okay, there's a great principle there. 
But Jesus is talking to the religious establishment there. The real key to that story is not just that son coming home, it's the reaction of the elders. Mm. Or right before that, there was a lost coin, or right before that, there was a lost sheep. And the real purpose of the story, according to the first two verses in that chapter, is Jesus looking at that religious people. Why don't you have joy when the lady finds or finds a coin? Mm. And why are you so miserable when that shepherd comes home with a sheep? What's your problem? Mm. So he's dealing with religion. And that changes those stories because Absolutely. they were told to the religious community. Uh, when Jesus deals with the multitude, you know, we're in a world that gets so fired up over sizes, and preachers do too. And uh, the, what's the crowd? What's the numbers? Yeah. Well, Jesus was never impressed by the numbers. And when you watch the multitude in the book of Luke, I mean, they were there, they were screaming his praises until one day they started saying, crucify him. Mm -hmm. So when you look at who he's speaking to, it, it changes everything. And, and I think sometimes we make the danger kind of pulling that story or pulling that message out of the Bible without saying, well, exactly what's going on here. Yeah, that's good. Yep. Yeah, there's uh, plenty of verses taken out of the Bible. And I think you mentioned it already, a pastor that preaches verse by verse through the Bible, just line upon line, precept upon precept. You go from one, one verse to the next, and we do our best. I mean, there's times where we might have the Lord give us a, like a four-week you know, uh, break in between books to, to speak on something specific, but um, even those messages are line upon line, verse upon verse, expository type messages. And, uh, but I think that some of the danger is, and I've tried to help our church family with this, when we, we develop this culture of preaching these topical messages, preaching these messages that just deal with all the current events and deal yes. with all this kind of stuff, we're actually missing mm -hmm. what God wants us to hear from Amen. his word. Yep. I notice that when I preach, we just this year alone, we've preached through First Peter and Colossians, and uh, we're preaching through the book of Proverbs right now. I notice that while we're um, going verse by verse, that the Lord does a much better job about bringing up the topics that are relevant right. to our church Absolutely. family than I ever could sitting <laughs> in my office going, oh, so-and-so yes. needs, yeah. needs this. And also, there's things going on you don't know about. Absolutely. And when you preach through the Bible, you know, there may be some, oh, yeah, that's not a big problem for me, but it is for somebody. And Absolutely. that's why it's in the Bible. Yep. And, yep. and I think that's critically important. Um, we can come to the Bible and read into the Bible what we want. And that's, yeah. that's where error comes from. Yeah. But when we go to the Bible and take out of the Bible what it says, that's where truth comes from. Uh, there's an old, old preacher who wrote a, one of the few books that I reread again and again, Preachers and Preaching, yeah. Martin Lord-Jones, yep. a tremendous book. It's like he wrote it last night, and he deals with that, he, with, the, with the topic or with the theme type thing. He, he really, <laughs> he hated it, to put it sure. mildly, because when you do that, let's just say the theme for, you know, we're going to have a theme. Okay, for the next year, we're going to preach on peanut butter in the Bible or something. I don't know, but, but whatever the theme is, pretty soon you've got to find texts that match your theme. And that, and that's where it's awfully easy to make mistakes in the Bible. It's, it's, it's not saying that you don't have necessarily have a theme. That's not a wicked thing, of course. But uh, it needs to be, um, you know, maybe exalting Jesus. So we're going to preach through Colossians or Revelation and, uh, or whatever the theme may be. It's got to be a Bible theme. It's not, okay, it's the month of February. It's heart month. Let's preach on the heart. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe mine favorite or least favorite, it's December. we got to preach on Christmas. Mm. And here's where it's a good example, because 
there are churches that every Sunday morning in December, they preach about Christmas. Well, now, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. If we're gonna preach the Bible, it's not just preaching the Bible, it's preaching the Bible as it is, which means there are some stories in the Bible, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the where Jesus went to the mountain and was exalted. They're in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they need to be preached on again and again and again. Mm -hmm. The Christmas story, you can make a case in Matthew, but really the Christmas story is one time in the book of Luke, zero times in Mark, zero times in the book of John. I have the number not in my mind written, but if you take how many verses about the birth of Jesus, how many about the cross, how many about the transfiguration, how many about the resurrection, the numbers are astoundingly different. So when we say it's December, I guess I better preach on Christmas because people expect it. I think it's a big mistake. Or when we say it's February, I don't want Hallmark to tell me what I'm supposed to preach yeah, on. Yeah, so we're good. not gonna preach on the heart because it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's a huge mistake people make because the culture expects this. The culture is another name for the world. Well, we, the world doesn't tell the pastor what to preach. The world, yeah. the God yeah. does. Yeah. And so if we're preaching the Bible, not just from the Bible, but we're preaching the Bible and there's a difference, mm -hmm. then, then we're not only gonna preach the topics that we think of or don't think of, mm -hmm. We're also going to preach them in the right amount of times. So yeah. That becomes very important. Yeah. It's been a I'm couple a, times this year where, you know, we've been preaching through First and Second Corinthians, where I have been preaching. <laughs> but, you know, a couple... We, you mean charities? Yeah, yeah. Charities are helping you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you're not supposed we to... Who's writing I, I mean, we're, it's, 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 we're not supposed to tell the, the whole truth, are we? Yeah. Yeah. You can't admit that in public. No. That'll be edited. But, is that you know, what you call a blooper, an uh, armored up blooper? Oh, no, we're keeping that right. <laughs> oh, okay, that works out. <laughs> Unedited. No. So if we, you had said that, it would have been an armored up blooper. To, depends who the editor is. Oh, right. yeah. So, yeah, we've been preaching, or I've been preaching to that side again. But, you know, there's been a couple of holidays this year, and, and you know, kind of decide, well, am I going to preach on the holiday? Am I going to make it geared towards that? Or you know, should we just keep going? And, and uh, you know, several times I just felt like, we just need to keep going. Because there's a lot of holidays yeah, out there. Yeah, there is, you know, uh, yeah. almost every day. I'm not sure what verse we use for donut Juneteenth, day, you know. know? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Where's the verse? We probably could find Donut Day, though, couldn't we, if we had to. So, yeah, you know, that's so powerful. So it's, yep, if we're going to preach the whole counsel of God, if we're going to preach the Word, not just from the Word or out of the Word, but preach the Word. Uh, that becomes a very different attitude yeah, towards preaching. You don't have to be dictated yep. by the world to what you're yep. going to preach. You. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Amen. Yeah. So let's get more about just our personal study. And uh, we don't necessarily have to, um, you know, talk about what we each do every morning or day or whatever. Mm -hmm. But just what are those study habits that really do help you just to... You know, perhaps maybe some tools that you use, or um, we're okay if you recommend a commentary or a, sure. or a dictionary that you might use as well. And um, so, what what are some things that help you when you're getting into that time of study? And I think you've already dif differentiated between sitting and reading and then being a workman, right? right? I mean, there's a difference, and both are and necessary. Both are, but um, you, and, you, and, you can't study without reading. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you should add into that Bible memory. And, yeah, you know, absolutely. So all those mm. things matter. Okay, so what are some the preaching? What are some tools you use for all that? Well, you know, if I could just stop you uh, the first thing I what I've done is set aside for me the first I call it the first best hour of the day um, for example I got a 5 a.m. flight I got to catch and we're up at 2 o'clock to get ready for that flight I don't get up at 1 o'clock study the Bible but because it's just you're, you're, it's just not gonna work yeah but when I'm on that airplane you know and it's quiet mm -hmm. and I stick some headphones on and open up the the Bible it's a good time 
Absolutely. So I, des- I I lay aside the first best hour of the day, and it, and, and that's just how it works best for me. Yeah. Usually that's uh, right after get up, get a cup of coffee, maybe grab a an egg McMuffin or something, and then that's usually where that is almost mm-hmm. almost every day, but not always. But it's that first best hour I can concentrate on the Bible. So that's how I design the time. Then I guess what I've learned for me is the best thing is to slow it down. You know, there's no hurry, there, especially you know preaching. There's just no hurry. So, like, uh, for example, look at Luke. I've been, uh, this year I'll probably spend four months studying four chapters, five chapters. This is my fourth year to do that. I should finish Luke next year. I started Revelation. So the January, February, March, and April, every day I was in Revelation 1 to 3. Um, the book of uh, Ruth, it took my four months, whatever. You get the idea. But I just slowed down every phrase. I want to grasp on it. I think after you have a King James Bible, probably the next best thing is an 1828 Webster's Dictionary. Okay. The bad news and the good news, the bad news is if you go buy one at Amazon, it's about 75 bucks. The good news is if you go to Google, they got it for free. So that's, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the best way to do that. Yeah. Uh, and that's a fascinating thing because there's so many attacks against our King James Bible. If you'd use an 1828, and I, I say 1828, that's the first dictionary that's closest to 1611. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many of those words, husbandman, for example, that's the one I saw this week. Oh, right there, exactly what a husbandman is. They had it exactly right. And and so it's a very important, because English words have changed over the course of time. So the 1828 is probably the first source somebody ought to have. Uh, Good concordance works. um, uh, Strong's. Yep, Strong's. Yep, they, yeah, the concordance is a concordance. Yeah. It's, that's good, and 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 I think it's it's even better nowadays. I use a Logos Bible software. Mm-hmm. There's some different software programs out there, but they do great with search engines, and yeah. and uh, they also have uh, extensive usages of of word studies. It's easy to do with those. Um, for commentaries, I kind of use. A, I don't have a particular favorite. Every book, I'll do something different. Sure. Um, so there's. That, that, you know, so that'll change for, if you didn't needed one, maybe John Phillips I would recommend, or of course David Sorensen, he's got the uh, commentary covering the whole Bible. Okay. It's not exhaustive, but it's, it's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of guys uh, that have written just kind of synopses of every single paragraph, say, in the Bible, and, and there's some good helps like that to keep you the context. Yeah. Uh, that's very helpful. So um, when I'm studying, like right now I'm in Luke, I probably got about 35 sources that I'm yeah. using, and uh, so I, I like uh, sermons especially. I'll read anybody preached, Spurgeon preached on this, or whoever, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll listen to sermons, read sermons about it. Uh, you know, it's the height of arrogancy for me when a preacher says, just me, the Lord gives it to me. Hmm. Well, you know, yeah, I want the Lord to give me material, and I want the Lord to use his word in my life, but he can give something to you too, and he gives something to you too. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of arrogant to think I'm the only one the Lord can give something to. And, mm-hmm. and the guys who say, well, it's just me, they, yeah, I find out, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It is just you <laughs> by the time you're done. So, uh, yeah, I have no problem getting help from, from others. And, and they, you know, there's, there's a language that was the language of the Old Testament. There's the Greek language, the language of the New Testament for, for the most part. And uh, so, you know, there are a lot of helps for that. Sure. And there's nuances and there's powerful things and, and there's things you can't do in English you could do in Greek. And uh, one of the most important things are called active verbs or, or different kind of verb tenses. For example, every time in the Bible says it is written, well, that's powerful because in the language of the New Testament, it means it was written, but it stands today as it was written then. So when Jesus said to Satan, it is written, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, he was saying, 
it was written hundreds of years ago, and today it is exactly standing as it was written then. It Amen. still applies. That phrase, yeah, and it's not just applies, it, it is. Right. It is it as, as it was written then. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. the preservation of the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So every time you read that, God wrote that, gave it to whoever he gave it to, years ago, even in the Old Testament, New Testament, it stands today as it was written then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of thing is just so powerful. So there's so many so many beautiful things that way. And, and to me, the key is really just slowing down the Bible. It's not a yeah. race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's times you just need to sing a psalm, just read it through, and sure, of course, mm-hmm. but just slowing it down. Yeah. Just phrase by phrase, verse by verse, it's so powerful. So I think powerful. that's one of my biggest uh, hurdles is I like to be in a hurry. You yeah. know, I, 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 um, I'm always in a hurry, you know? Sure, I, sure. And so when I, um, <laughs> brother Jenny knows this, we went golfing one time and, um, we've only been once. I don't know if we'll ever go again, <laughs> yeah. uh, or at least we're not sharing a golf cart when we go because, because, you know, he'd hit the ball and I'd be like, all right, come on, come on, let's go, let's go get your ball. And then, and then, uh, he's like, oh, I'll just walk. No, man, I'm driving you over there. You got to hit the ball right now. And, you know, I just kind of think I'm always in a hurry. So I think yeah. it, that translates to every area of my life. You know, I'm just, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a California boy, you know, I'm always in a rush, you know, and, area, man. That's and, me too. Uh, and so I want to, yeah. I want to slow down. You know? California will slow you down, though, because there's a line for everything. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But we're still in a hurry. Yeah, well, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you're in traffic, but you're you're on the guy's bumper, you know, the whole yeah, way. Yeah. yeah, no, I hear you. So, it's, um, I hear you. Yeah. so I think for me, that's a big hurdle. And I think maybe some of our listeners would think that, too, that, you know, we, we get into this, this thought that, I have to read my Bible through in a year, or I have to read the New Testament yeah. in a year, or I have to do this. Sure. But why? And yeah. that that's okay, and it's good. There's nothing wrong with no, it. No, no, absolutely. But, but, uh, but why do you feel that yeah, way? You know? Right. I would say maybe the first time through, sure, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. But after that, you know, uh, yeah, I've got the whole life. I don't know. I could be over tomorrow for all I know. Sure. Mm-hmm. But for every day of my life, for years and years now, since I was a teenager, I spent time in the Bible every day. I got plenty of time to do this. This is a really big book, and there's a lot here so I'm just gonna go slow mm-hmm. and, and I don't have to don't have to finish it I have no deadlines when it comes to the Bible right so yeah. it's a powerful book it's a mighty book every word of God is pure not just Amen. every idea every thought Amen. or every verse every word so it's just yeah, slower down we got a whole lifetime to get in this book and and then when we get to heaven what are we gonna do for eternity <laughs> the Word of God's gonna give us the Word of God so Amen. yeah so we uh, just get used to this book and and so it's mm-hmm. beautiful Kind of piggybacking off uh, what you said earlier is, you, you know, I, I know it's tempting to think, well, why do I need anything else? Shouldn't I just, shouldn't the Bible alone be enough? And uh, yeah. just speak to me from that. Why get distracted with anything outside the Bible? But, you, you know, you find quickly that when you when you look outside and you understand the history, because you're not going to get the history in the background right. just from reading Absolutely. the text. Uh, but when you do that, you just the window kind of opens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much wider right Uh, yeah this week I've been in Luke 20 and uh, of course Annas Jesus is pretty much out of Jerusalem most of his first three years not always but then he comes of course the week he dies on the cross and and wow this guy Annas how he hated him and you know there was fighting those Pharisees up in Galilee but there was something entirely different in Jerusalem and so I began to, to look in Bible verses of this guy Annas and then study a little history of the guy that's where I came up with the phrase the Annas crime family and people think, oh, you're just exaggerating. Well, I'm not. Mm. I'm not. If he, this guy had a crime family in the temple. I mean, everything crime families do in America, the mafia would do, he did. Uh, every business gave him a cut. He, he basically bought the high priesthood. I didn't know that. Mm. He became the high priest because he was the highest bidder. 
he paid his way in and then he he had a crime family because not only did he rule for about 10 years then he gave it to his son Caiaphas who we read about in the Bible then his next son another son became the high priest and he was the guy that uh, that was in Acts chapter 80 murdered Stephen another son becomes the high priest and he's the guy that pretty much uh, was on the throne when they in Acts chapter 12 and that disaster uh, well this crime family had its tentacles everywhere and, and now here comes Jesus and he starts hey first he has a multitude with him that's not going to work and then he's turning over the apple cart that's not going to work so this crime family he's going to hurt our income He's gonna hurt our authority. That's why they kept asking him, who gave you this authority? Who do you think you are coming in here like this? Who do you think you are? And, and Jesus says, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. this isn't your temple, it's mine. You know, the, mm -hmm. the temple's not Solomon's temple. It's not Annas' temple, it's Jesus' temple. And, and it's powerful because all of a sudden you realize how, how this Annas and through his son Caiaphas, it's interesting, Caiaphas is the high priest, but Annas is running the show. Mm. Uh, just call him, call him Jimmy Hoffa. It's exactly what it was. It was a crime <laughs> family that, that it, that it ruined the temple and these guys were illegitimate to begin with they weren't even of the line of Aaron so 115 years ago or 76 years I should say before Annas that changed the Zadok family who went to back to Aaron was replaced by a guy again who paid his way in the corruption is intense well obviously if all that's in Luke chapter 20 Luke 20 is going to be it's really big <laughs> exactly I mean if everything Jesus did the world couldn't contain the volume so a little bit of history well, first it goes a long way to say, well, how, how now I start to understand. Yeah, I can see Jesus coming in with a big multitude singing Hosanna, blessed is he that yeah. cometh, riding on a colt, like Zechariah says. And, and you can see why these guys are having a heart attack. Oh yeah. And then you watch how they do it. They're so political. You know, we see this all the time in America. Everything's political. Well, it was mm -hmm. political back then. Yeah. So they Maybe come, even more so. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they come to Jesus and yeah. they say, okay, uh, should we pay tribute or not? Right. Mm. Wow, what a question. Because Jesus, there's no right answer for him. So Jesus says, okay, pay tribute. He is saying, okay, Caesar is God, because that's what it said on the coin. Mm -hmm. If he says don't, then they're going to run to the to the Roman government and say, this guy's an insurrectionist. So there is no right answer to that question. And yet, like religious phonies, they come with their hypocrisy. Oh, you're a great teacher. Oh, you teach the truth. Oh, those words are going to come back to haunt those guys one day. And But God said they were spies. What a word. And so now here they come, and they got all this going. They got this phoniness going. And, and Jesus, and he did this all the time in the book of Luke. You know, and if you go slow, you, just, you can put these things down, and all of a sudden you got a list. He answers their question with a question. He did it all the time. So instead of answering their question directly, he said, Who's his? He said, bring me a penny. A penny was how they would pay a sure. tribute tax. He says, bring me a penny. Oh yeah, here we go. And, they, mm. they hand, and, and that answered the question. Mm -hmm. Because you guys are saying that's idolatry and you shouldn't do it. How come you got one in your pocket? Mm -hmm. And in the temple, they were making money with Rome. They were working for Rome underneath the guys. They were frauds. And Jesus exposes them. And all of that comes together. You get their intense hatred. And then you can see how Jesus would just come right back at him every time with a question they couldn't answer. It's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. It really is. And, yeah, and all that history and all that context. And, and if you just preach on render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's, then we can go run with that and make it say whatever we want for our own political beliefs. I, I but heard. when you put it in a context, it all changes. Yeah, I heard it said one time that... Uh, you know, Paul's statement, there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, but uh, Jesus Christ. Well, then I heard someone say that Caesar Augustus had an edict put out on places he conquered where he posted up saying there's no other name under heaven 
given among men whereby we must be saved, but Caesar Augustus. Wow, that's powerful. So to say that Jesus Christ was that man was a direct attack against the Roman government. And, uh, I, you know, it's hard digging in and trying to find if that was exactly true, but I did dig up some stuff where it did seem like, yeah, that's that's how it was. So just opening that up and understanding that history just makes the Word of God so much more alive, so much more exciting for people. And I'm not going to brag on my own preaching, but I, I will on yours. And, you know, I can just definitely tell that when I hear you preach that, uh, you know, I know people feel that too. That, that's what makes the preaching exciting and, and, and because it really just opens people's eyes to the Word of God a whole, whole lot more. Amen. And, uh, yeah. There's always so, a story. There's always yeah, yeah. a story. People love stories. The Bible's always yeah. There's always a story. I don't care where you are. There's a story behind it. Yeah. And, and, and when you can dig into that and... Uh, for example, I've been preaching this year on Habakkuk, and it's just an amazing thing. Uh, that guy, like he wrote it last night. Mm. But you know, when you put Habakkuk, and there's not much about Habakkuk, and that's intentional, but when you do put him in the time frame, he grew up in Jerusalem under Josiah's revival. He saw that, which means that he heard people like Jeremiah preach and Zephaniah preach. And, and when you put it on a timeline, you see the kind of things you're growing up with. So I like to imagine him going to camp, you know, and Monday night, Nahum is preaching, and Tuesday night, Zephaniah is preaching, and Wednesday night, Jeremiah is preaching, Thursday night, Ezekiel is preaching, who knows, you know. Yeah. But, but it gives you kind of the, the atmosphere, and now all of a sudden this country's falling apart, you know, and it's, it's over. And he looks up saying, how long, oh Lord, you know, how long? And, and that story, becomes incredibly powerful and and that doesn't happen unless you, you slowly study the Bible just mm-hmm. yep take the time and and there's no bad way to do this so it's just uh, yep uh, there's no hurry there's no deadline and there's a deadline if you're preaching four times a week yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there is so yeah well, that's why you got to get ahead of this thing sure but uh, you know a lot of guys that, that if you just get good habits on that then you are a year ahead yeah. mm-hmm. so the, yep. the big point to point out is that you know you don't have to be the preacher uh, to get right. this out of the Word of God, and you don't have to wait till Sunday to get it. You know, you can you know, make the Word of God exciting every day and Amen. get in and dig in. And, it's a treasure chest, you know. Yeah, it's like yeah, diving so it, in, and every day, you know. And yeah. and if I learn something new today, you know, that's great. That's something I can help people with. But you learn yeah, something yeah. new, and it may be something the preachers have known for years, but you learned it today, and it's fresh to you. It's real to you. It changes your life today. That's that becomes incredibly powerful. So. Yeah, we've learned some pretty, pretty awesome truths today. When you think of, you know, read your Bible and get into it, right? You got to study, set aside some time. I think when Brother Schwinke talked about that first best hour, that's an important thing. You know, we we all say, well, I need to read my Bible the first thing I wake up, or it's or I didn't obey the Lord or whatever. That doesn't work for everybody on every day. And uh, I know this: when I first thing I do when I wake up is, uh, man, I, there's a lot of things I need to do before I'm ready to put my glasses on and, stu- and study because uh, I'll be distracted. You know, I gotta, you know, like you said, get up, you know, get a cup of coffee or use the restroom or you know, uh, brush your teeth. I mean, I can't sit there and study with my, you know, mouth feeling the way that it does. You know, so. So using that first best hour, and um, and I think that's important. Have a time where it doesn't have to be 9 a.m. every day, but just determine, Lord, the first best hour that I have, I'm going to use for you. And um, and then that word study is so important. We talk about some different tools. We talk about, you know, there's some commentaries or dictionaries and those kind of things. Um, and all of that's important. And, and, you know, Brother Jenny and I would be happy to recommend some things, and, and Brother Schwenke recommended some uh, today. But... Um, the, the, the most important thing is that you're willing to labor 
<laughs> to be that workman that you're willing to work for it. So, and that's going to take some slowing down. That's going to, I need to slow down. Um, I've been encouraged by that today. Just, I don't need to read uh, 15 chapters today. I, I might, I might just need to read that, those few verses that I'm going to, I'm going to look at what that word means and maybe get some history and background of why that phrase was so important and, and those kind of things. And that takes time. That, that takes not just one time of studying. That's going to take several times of me um, doing research and all this kind of stuff. And, and, but I know that at the end of it, like what the whole point I'm getting at is you think of in the Old Testament when they would dig wells. Mm. You know, water just wasn't prevalent in the desert. Right. In Canaan, you know. They know that well, yeah. Yep, and, uh, and the only way they were going to get to that water was to dig. And they had to keep digging until they hit water. Yep. And uh, you might be in a chapter of the Bible, uh, just, a, just a short paragraph of Scripture, and uh, keep digging. You know, don't just move on because you don't understand it. Uh, keep digging because one of these days as you study and as you're giving yourself to that study and being that workman that water is going to spring forth and it's going to go oh that's what god meant by that right. and um and it's going to and it could revolutionize your life i mean the bible does that it's uh, that's that sword that that pierces through the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart the word of god can change your life but if you're not willing to dig mm-hmm. then you may miss those truths you may miss that well of water um that god wanted to 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 use to help you so i've been helped today amen can i just add one more yeah absolutely absolutely Uh, i just want to mention prayer and humility Mm -hmm. absolutely uh we have to be willing to be wrong yeah sure 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 amen yeah, and we all be te- as part of being teachable. And I, you know, I tell been there, done that, got to teach you, man. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I tell our people all the time: the Christian, the mark of a Christian, should be humility. That's right. We ought to be clothed in humility. And I think people have been turned off from Christianity because we've been missing that. Yeah, yeah. And when you read the Bible, that humility is important. You know, like you talk about yeah. being wrong. You know, because. I'm, I'm coming to the word because I need it, yeah. <laughs> not because I know it all already. And, and I, think, I think one thing we talk about preachers is, you know, it's dangerous as a preacher to go into the Bible looking for ammunition to load your, mm. your gun, you right. know. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. dangerous because exactly. that's not really what your study time is for. I, I want to know Jesus. I want to know the Lord. I want him to, to show me the truths that he wants me to know. Yeah. So that humility is important. So for me to go to, okay, God, I need something from you today. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm not looking for something that I can use as my ammo to, to, sol- to fix an argument or to, you know, to win a debate or whatever else. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for him to impact my life, and then I'm just going to go preach it. Yeah, exactly. You know? yep. and, Taking it out, not reading it in. Yeah. Very different. This maybe uh, applies more to me and Brother Jenny than maybe anybody else, but um, for me, I know this. I, I have a hard time reading and studying apart from my preaching, mm-hmm. um, you know, in my own personal studies. Um, I do read the Bible. Like this week, I, I, uh, I read, listened to, actually, I actually listened to it because I wanted just to get a different perspective by listening. I, I listened to Matthew, Revelation, and Hebrews this week. Good. And uh, those three books together really just amazing. When you think of Matthew, mm. he's the king of the Jews. And, yeah, and the, all the book of Hebrews, he was, uh, uh, you know, Jesus is better. <laughs> and then the book of Revelation, he's the king, right? Yeah. So it was just, a, to me, it was a great combo. And I listened to those all week long. And uh, it's yeah. just amazing, you know, just some of the truths mm-hmm. that maybe I overlooked. Now I'm hearing James Earl Jones or whoever <laughs> read it to 
me. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it just, it, to me, it was a huge help in that reading. But just on a normal basis, you know, if I'm preaching through the book of John, I'm, I'm basically reading the book of John mm-hmm. for months, right. months and months mm-hmm. and months. Absolutely. And I, I'll go other places for different, you know, different times, but I'm in the book of John. Yeah. And I think some might have a problem with that. Like, oh, you don't read your Bible for yourself? Well, I do, but yeah. I'm also... God called me to preach. This is who I am. So I'm going to just give yeah. what, you know, God yeah. has given me. So you don't intend it. It's just on your mind. And yeah. You, <laughs> it is, uh, I, don't, I have a hard time separating. When I was yeah. in school, that was a big thing. Yeah. They would constantly harp on this, separate those two, separate mm-hmm. those two. And uh, uh, that's what they told us to do. And I've never, ever done that. I've always done it just like you're saying, because when God speaks to me and, and for me, when I'm studying a, a part of the Bible, okay, first I'm going to do the technical analysis. Then I'm going to go through the historical, the rest of it. And then what I end up doing with everything I study is turn it into a message. Mm-hmm. And that's where it becomes personal and, and yeah. application. And that's where it's, I'm hammering myself. Yeah. So yeah. that's how I, everything I study, that's where all the preaching comes from. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a grave error when they say, you know, separate your time because then you're saying, okay, there's a time where God speaks to me and then it's work. Yeah. And, and I think it's far more important to say when the Bible speaks to me, I got something to deliver. It's not just a technical analysis. That's not preaching, but yeah. you're preaching what God is saying and, 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 and the importance to me and the application. So I, yeah, I think what they told me not to do yeah. is exactly what I'm doing. I think it would be almost impossible actually make that separation i mean if if the word of god's speaking to you and it's changing you what i find out is that my my separate study from my plan study ends up going together you know whether i want it to or not because this is becoming a part of me as i'm doing my personal relationship with god and and study it's just going to end up in (laughs) this other study too somehow because it all works together Exactly. Just, yep. Yeah. I think it's a mistake to divorce those. Yeah. It's 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 so true. I don't read the Bible because I'm the preacher looking for a sermon, you know. Um, but every time I read the Bible, God gives me a sermon. <laughs> you know, I, exactly. I want to know Him. I want sure. Him to speak to me. Right. And then every time He speaks to me, I'm like, man, somebody else needs to hear this. Yeah. So I don't understand. Like, I just have never understood that. I remember at my ordination council, that was they asked me about my study habits, and I just mm. explained just that. And every single one of them is like, no, you need to you need mm. to get a separate time. You need to make sure that you're feeding yourself before you're feeding the flock. And yeah. and in my mind, I think I am. That's what, yeah. exactly what I'm doing. Right. I'm, I'm feeding myself. And then I'm feeding the flock. I mean, yeah. why am I preparing a different meal for myself? Right. I'm giving myself the steak and I'm giving them, yeah. you know, some something else, you know. And, and I and I feel, I'm not saying that it's wrong to have two separate times. If, if someone's able to do that. Oh, study then, the Bible three times <laughs> yeah, a day. Absolutely. Fine, no wrong with that. Nothing yeah. wrong. Yeah. Just I have a hard time with that. Yeah. I don't know if it's my, you know, ADD or whatever you want to yeah. call it. But I just, I'm focused on one thing. And yeah. I, and it's yeah. hard to write, you know, strict rules and you know, right. <laughs> got almost a law like this is the way it has to be but you think maybe you can see it from their point maybe they're trying to combat you know just having your work and and, and missing out on the personal relationship for yourself I think that is a, it's something you have to be the, careful that you, yeah. you are having a personal relationship yeah, exactly. because the danger on the side of it where I get the, the criticism mm-hmm. of it is that it's all work yeah, right. and there's no personal time. Yeah, exactly. But you have to combine those. There yeah. has to be that where I, this is personal time so that I can give it, yeah, you right. know. And, um, and can anyway. I just say too as well, um, you have a great, a great way of doing this. Uh, one day you read it and there's nothing wrong with listening to it. That's a mm. great idea. There's a lot of different ways. Sure. And, and if you if you do the exact same thing every day, you know, three chapters in a psalm or a proverb yeah. once a month or whatever it works, 
then it becomes so old hat, it becomes old routine, and you're missing it. You just, it's almost like an apple a day keeps the doctor away and three chapters a day mm-hmm. keeps the devil away. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. And so it's good. Make it fresh. Listen to it. That's a beautiful thing. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do that. Slow it down, speed it up. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yep. yep. It's all good. There's no bad way to handle the <laughs> Amen. Bottom, so, Amen. Except to it's, handle it incorrectly. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a bad way. Yep. Yep, for sure. Brother Swanky, thank you for joining us again. Thank you. And, uh, I have enjoyed these, and it's a blessing. You had mentioned it on the previous episode, but could you tell folks again where they can find your information? Sure. Yeah, we put our itinerary at uh, www.preachthebible.com. And uh, if you're watching this anywhere in the country, even in different countries in the world, uh, we probably going to get there next year, next year, the year after. So if you'd love to come to a service where we're preaching, we'd love to have you visit. It's just if you're in a good church, make sure you're there Sunday morning, Sunday night, and prayer meeting night. Uh, also there we have some books available some preaching available and it's all at preachthebible.com Amen. and you can find his author page on Amazon as well so you just search Paul Schwenke in the show notes we'll make sure that we put uh, this information to link you uh, to his website and to his Amazon page and uh, we'll be uh, looking forward to ourselves getting, getting some of those resources as well and so thanks for joining us today on the Armored Up Podcast we look forward to seeing you on the next episode God bless you hey, get your cup